Wilson, and welcome back to today's podcast, Hope for Today. So today we're going to talk about the Christmas story briefly and go into some other stories in the Bible as well. But it's not all about the Christmas story. It's about, give me what you got. Now that might not be the perfect way to say it correctly in English and enunciate, but I'm going to say to you today, give me what you got. I feel that is what the Lord is telling us right now during this Christmas season. Give me what you got. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. You'll want to read verses 1 through 20. I'm going to just read the first couple of verses. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them. Now that's a very famous story. We all know the story of baby Jesus being born. We have the nativity scenes on our mantles, under our tree, on our tables. Everything looks picture perfect. Baby Jesus is this little happy baby nestled in a bed of sweet smelling hay and the animals are there and everything looks perfect, but that's not the case. I was doing a little research, and if you look in Luke chapter 1, it talks about Mary was from Nazareth. It was a village of four to 500 people. And it says, to the world, she was a very plain, simple peasant girl. And yet her and Joseph answered the call to raise the Son of God. In Luke chapter 2, it talks about them traveling to Bethlehem. And it would have taken four to five days through rocky hills to get where they needed to be. I didn't realize as I did some research, I don't know if it's just because it's the pictures, it's the songs, it's the things we grew up with. You assumed Mary was on a donkey. We don't know that for sure. Whether she rode a donkey or she walked, either way at nine months pregnant or close to bearing her firstborn, if it was you and me and we were nine months pregnant, even eight months pregnant, I don't think you and I would wanna be walking or riding a donkey for four to five days through rocky terrain. You know, there were no hotels along the way. There was no Holiday Inn Express where they get a hot breakfast in the morning. There was nothing. I don't even know how they traveled. You know, sleeping on the side of the road. The roads were not paved beautifully. It wasn't like they could say, hey, let me get an Uber or a taxi or let me catch a ride or hire a driver. There was no buses. There were no airplanes. There were no mass transportation. Again, there were no hotels along the side of the road. Even for eating for four to five days, you don't stop at Applebee's along the way. We're talking biblical times. You know, they were young kids. If I were to look at them at the age that they were at, they were young teens and they didn't really have a whole lot of experience in life, let alone to be experienced of her being pregnant and having to have her first child and Joseph traveling with her and having to take care of her and, and um, you know, doing what God has told them to do. I'm sure the Lord 
gave them special provisions. I'm not saying that like he laid out, you know, the Taj Mahal every time they needed to stop. But you think about just traveling during those biblical times. There's no bathroom. There's no hotel. There's no restaurant. There's no paved roads. No mass transportation. I, I don't know what the elements were like. I, I just, when you really think about, this was not the perfect setting. Then they get to Bethlehem, and now Mary needs to deliver this baby. She's never had a baby before. She didn't have a midwife with her. Or she didn't have the presidential suite at the hospital and the presidential team of doctors saying, okay, we're on our way. And in a sterile environment where we had Lysol and, you know, masked up and gloved up in the whole nine yards, they had to go find a place to deliver this baby. And it was, as we know, there was no room in the inn. It was a busy time. People were having to go and, and register. And so all the places were full and they had to go to a stable and they had to place baby Jesus in a feeding trough. I'm sure it was not clean. Animals live there. It was probably very smelly and in our estimation, dirty. Is this the place that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords should have been born? For you and me, we'd say, there is no way. We are trained in church and we are trained in ministry to do things with excellence. Always do things first class. I would not say this is first class. To be born in a stable with smelly animals and hay and, and you know, just, you, you can only imagine what it's like if you've ever been in a barn and you smelled the barn. It sometimes catches you. It's so strong. and But this is where the Lord was born. Hmm. Let's go back to a couple other stories in the Bible, not related to the Christmas story, but let's just review them. So there's 5,000 people and we need to feed them. What do we do when we're at church and all of a sudden extra people are coming for a dinner at church and we're going, oh, did they sign up? They weren't on the list. Can you hear this conversation? The kitchen crew, so-and-so's here. He never signs up. He's here again. And how are we going to feed him? We don't have enough food to feed him. Here we are in a situation during Bible times in the Old Testament, and there were 5,000 people that needed to be fed. Basically, the Lord said, give me what you got. There were five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves of bread and two fishes. How in the world is that going to feed 5,000 people? I don't even know the size of the loaves of bread and the size of the fish. It might not have even fed five people or 50 people. But the Lord just said, give me what you got. Watch and see what I'll do. And when they turned that bread and that fish over to the Lord, there was not only enough to fill the bellies of those 5,000 people, there was leftovers. And he said, gather up those bits, gather up those fragments. There's leftovers. Not only did the Lord provide, he went above and beyond, but he wants what we have. He wants us to be able to be willing to give that back to him. There was a wedding that the Lord was invited to, and they ran out of wine. And Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, that's what you need to do. And they're like, but we only have water. We have jugs. We, don't, they, we can fill these jugs up with water, but the Lord's saying, give me what you got. Give me what you got. But you don't understand. We have these large jugs, and we can put water in them, but... Give me what you got. 
and watch and see what I'll do. So what did they do? They went and filled the jugs with the water and on the way back, it turned from water into wine. Give me what you got and watch and see what I'll do. How many times in the Bible have we seen this over and over? Back in the Bible times, there was a famine and there was a single mom and she had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil left. And this man came to her and said to her, God told me to tell you that you need to feed me and give me some water. Oh, whoa, what? Hang on a minute. We're in a famine and I have a son and this is the only flour I have and the only oil I have left. There's no way if I feed you, we'll starve. But Elisha said to her, but God told me to tell you, give me what you got. Now that's a paraphrase to, and a very cliche way of saying it, but the Lord wanted her to give him what she had. Sound familiar with some of the things we've been going through? Can't find flour, can't find things on the shelves. We can't, food was, we were without certain products. If someone came to you during the pandemic and said, can I have uh, some flour? Uh, I'm sorry. You know what? I just got the last five pound bag of flour on the shelves of ShopRite. I've been without flour for four weeks. I have looked in every store and I could not find flour. I can't share any with you. I'm really sorry. But, you know, I, I have to make bread for my family. The Lord says, give me what you got. What happened when she turned over her last bit of flour and her last bit of oil? It was during a famine. The Lord, he didn't need that flour and oil. He didn't really need Elisha to be fed by her in particular, other than the fact that he wanted her to receive a blessing. And the Lord said, give me what you got. And when she was able to release that oil and flour and bake for him some bread and give him some water, during that famine, she was taken care of. She never did without. All the Lord says is, give me what you got and wait and see what I'm going to do for you. Wait and see what I'm going to do through you. Here we have someone that gave up her last bit of food and he blessed her because she was willing. We had people to be fed and we had five loaves and two fishes. What can I do with that? Give me what you got and wait and see what I do for you and through you. Time and time and time again. But Lord, I have jugs and I have water and we need wine. It, give me what you got. Give me what you got and wait until you see what I do for you and through you. And going back to the Christmas story with Mary and Joseph, we have some young kids that have nothing. They have nothing. They don't have money. They don't have wealth. They don't have a fancy home and car. They don't have a bank account. They don't have good credit. All the things that we would look for credentials. Do they have this check? Do they have this check? Do they have this check? How many times do we say to the Lord, Lord, I don't have anything. And he's saying, give me what you got. Sometimes it is things. Sometimes it might be food in our home. Sometimes it might be money. It might be our car. It might be our home. It might be our time. But it's always, it's always ourselves. The Lord says, give me what you got. You know, the Lord gave us life. The Lord gave us all the things that we have. If you don't think what you have is from the Lord, that's a dangerous place to be. If you don't recognize that every single thing that you have 
is a gift from the Lord. Some of you might be very well off and have lots of things and money and, and wealth to prove. Look, look all that I have. I hope that you do that in a humble way. And what you have, you've been blessed with in monetary and in things. That's wonderful if the Lord has blessed you that way. But don't assume that it's yours to keep. It's yours to give back. How does the Lord want to use your home? How does the Lord want to use your money? How does the Lord want to use your car? How does the Lord want to use you? Give me what you got. Maybe you don't have a lot. Maybe you don't have a lot of money and, and you're sitting here and you're saying, I, I don't, I'm like Mary and Joseph. I don't have anything. I don't have a bank account. I have, I don't have money. I, my car is, you know, barely running and my furniture, it's, it's falling apart. And, you know, you saw my house, it's, it's old and falling apart and windows need to be replaced and the doors kind of hanging on there. And, oh, you'd be so embarrassed if, you know, someone came in your home and, Give me what you got. The Lord just says, give me what you got and watch and see what I will do for you and through you. What a time is this? This is the Christmas season. It's the Lord's birthday. We sing happy birthday and we celebrate by singing Christmas carols and giving gifts and doing special things at church and all of this. But the Lord says, give me what you got. You'll hear time and time again Christmas movies about a Christmas miracle. And you'll hear people refer to the Christmas miracle. We're going to have this week, I think by the time this podcast takes place, it would have already happened, the Christmas star. They said it hasn't happened in 800 years, the way the planets are going to line up and form this Christmas star. Why don't we have a Christmas miracle this year? Why don't you and I... Allow the Lord to use us and have a Christmas miracle. Well, what can we do? How can, how can we do this? How can we make this a reality? Well, the Lord is saying, give me what you got. What do you have that is the Lord's that he wants to use in your life? How does he want to use you this holiday season? How does he want to use you before the year's end? In 2020, how does the Lord want to use Lynn Wilson in a Christmas miracle? How can I do something for someone? How can I serve the Lord in a unique way that's only unique unto me in the Christmas season of 2020, in a year that we've had a, a rough year? It's been, it's been tough on so many people. It's been rough on me, and I'm sure it's been rough on you. But you know what? We're in this together. We're here to serve the King of Kings. This is the Lord's birthday. What a better way to say happy birthday, Jesus, than for you to say, Lord, I'm giving you what I've got. I'm giving you what I've got. Whether it's things, it's time, it's money, it's yourself. Lord, make me part of a Christmas miracle in December 2020. Will you join me? Do you want to join me in watching God perform miracle after miracle after miracle in December 2020? Let's show the world that Jesus Christ was born on Christmas during Christmas season only to be here on the earth for 30 some years to die on the cross. He died on the cross for both you and me. And if you've accepted the Lord as your personal savior, 
You have no right not to give him what you've got. So join me this holiday season and let's see what God is going to do in December 2020 with me, with you, and through us. Let's give him what we got and have a Christmas miracle. Thanks for coming by and we'll see you on the next podcast.